and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you have made the connection and are with us today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and the goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us in ways that get us thinking, get us, you know, imagining, get us wondering, get us, you know, thinking about the connections, and perhaps inspired or challenged to do just a bit more because we made the connection. Our topic today is uh, continuing on our theme of love. And in this show, we're going to be looking at love and learning to live holding grief in one hand and joy in the other. Hosting with me today is Rick Bernardo, and you have invited Mark Liebenau to explore this topic with us. I did. I know Mark going back many years. And uh, shall I say something about that Absolutely. at this point? Okay, Please just do. to. Please do. So, um, uh, we went to Pacific School of Religion together, and the reason that's important to me is it was so formative, just not only just knowing Mark, but the whole situation in Berkeley. Uh, it was like the old MASH television show, uh, good, good people doing good, good work on many front lines all over the place with a good amount of partying and cross-dressing. Uh, and I'm and I'm joking, but it's true. Uh, so, uh, so it, it was in that environment that, um, in fact, uh, I, I got to share this uh, on Mark's dorm room uh, was the name of a theologian named Leonardo Boff, who is a liberation theologian, and they. Uh, I, I think it was Mark's friends, but I don't know how much of a party Mark had on this, but they had a sign on the door that said, Welcome to the Boff House. And uh, it was just sort of this, like, how seriously they took liberation and people's, uh, people's welfare and how funny they were mm. all at the same time. So and in that environment. Um, and then when I, I, I somehow became aware of Mark's work, in the wake of loss in his life and his work on grief and poetry. I'm not surprised to find out he continued to write because he and I worked on some of his uh, uh, writing on clowning is what it was uh, to start with. But, um, but I was uh, saddened and also gratified in the sense that I've shared a lot of his writing with many people. And it's been very life-giving. So welcome, Mark. We're really glad that you're here today. And I appreciated uh, the opportunity to talk with you before the show. Um, if you remember, you shared about losing a dog is also a, a grief process. And I wanted to share that I, I um, well, first, uh, you can say hello, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> We've been talking at you. So feel free to say hello. We're glad well, hello you're, to you. We're glad hello you're to here. Hello you both. I'm happy to be here, too. Oh, great. Well, when we were talking about losing a pet, you made a point about, you know, when you get a pet, you know that pet is going to pass. You accept that. You accept it in your relationship with that pet. Um, and, and you live with that. And when, when you have to let go of that pet, it's very difficult. But you've taken that responsibility. But when we interact with people, we almost act like we're all immortal. We don't have that be part of our conception of being with another person. And I, I, I thought about how different all our interactions could be if we recognize that every person that we are in relationship with, we are going to lose. Mm 
we are going to lose right. either because they pass or we're going to lose because we pass. And how might that change that immediacy that we have if we kept that with us and not pretended to be immortal? Um, and that that hmm. helped me wrap my head around all of the good work that you're doing with grief. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I mean, we, we always kind of expect, uh, like our parents, to die before us, although mm-hmm. when it does happen, it really hits us. But our spouses and partners and friends of our age, we, we never really think about them dying. No. Or, or even going away is another kind of loss right. if they move across the country. Yeah. And pets right. uh, can hit us just as hard as losing a family member if, say, we're living alone and we uh, have one pet and that pet dies. Uh, it just can devastate us. Absolutely. Well, I want to share with the audience that you write about nature, grief, and the wisdom of fools, which I just love. And he's the author. Uh, this is about Mark, by the way. <laughs> Four books. <laughs> His essays and poems have been published in over 50 literary journals. And his work has been named a notable by the nonfiction, uh, by uh, Best American Essays and nominated for three pushcart prizes. Mark has won the River Teeth Nonfiction Book Award and the Chautauqua and the Literal Lattes Essay Prizes. And his account of hiking in Yosemite to deal with his wife's death, Mountains of Light, was published at the University of Nebraska Press. He writes twice monthly a blog on landscape of grief called Mark Liebenau Grief. So welcome. Thank you. Thank, for, you. thank you for being here. And in this segment, we're going to be exploring how when we have had love and now it's gone, how does that feel? So what what led you to this um, this work with grief? Well, I wasn't doing anything with it until my wife died when I was 47 and she had a, an unexpected heart attack and and just was gone. Uh, I had never lost anyone close, so I didn't know how to grieve. And I thought I'd be over grief in a month. Mm. But that wasn't even close. The the shock and the trauma of her death left me numb for a long time. Even after six months, uh, there was still a dead calm and nothing seemed to be moving. And I was just standing on the side of life watching it go by. Tell me about Uh, it. No, go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. Well, I, I started to look around for guides on how to work through grief, and I wasn't really finding much of anything in books. And most of my friends were also in their 40s or 30s, and they hadn't lost anyone close either, so they didn't know what to do or what to say. So I started to write about grief uh, just to keep me focused on each day, because I uh, at that point I did not do well with emotions, and I knew I needed to focus on what the emotions were doing, or I would basically implode. Then, not finding any resources to help me, I started to share what I was discovering on a blog that I started. And I thought this was really important for men, because there were even fewer resources than there were for women. And I called my blog at that point, uh, Widower's Grief, to uh, get their attention. Uh, 
And now I've expanded to cover all kinds of losses and grief, how language can help us understand grief and where it falls short, and also to kind of prod society to do a better job of taking care of those who are grieving. Tell me about that sense of abandonment that that what that created for you. I know that was an inspiration for the creating of the blog, but but tell me more about that sense of um, of having someone who's passed abandon you. Right. Well, we. I felt like I had achieved love. You know, the big thing was you finally found someone you love and they loved you and you had this all working together and suddenly all that was taken away. And it just felt like there's a big hole mm-hmm. in my life. Uh, there were uh, a couple of people who really helped me continue. There was uh, John, who was a friend of my my wife's parents, who lost his wife a year ahead of me, so he kept me in touch with what I could expect to be coming along. Did, and there was Steve, and yes. I was just going to say, was part of that process, like the Kubler-Ross, you know, going through the various stages of grief, you know, did you go through the anger, or, or was it a different process for you? Ah, uh, well, the, yeah, the five stages. Yeah. The five stages are just kind of a, a, a general guideline. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could I could point out things, uh, the stages I was going through. Anger uh, came in and went away and came back several mm-hmm. times, yeah. and it was kind of underlying. Uh, there's there's also more than five stages, and of course, not everyone goes through all five of them. Yeah, and I think if, uh, as you said, they get repeated. But the reason I bring that up is that when you mentioned that men do not have as much resources to to work through the grieving process, I, I often see it is, at least in our society, has been easier to express anger than grief. Yeah, we like to stay in control. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially men, and to have the answers to everything. And when grief comes, we have no answers, we have no directions, and we don't know what's going on. Most of the time, uh, we're overwhelmed by emotions. Just That just comes sweeping in like a tsunami, and we're just, just overwhelmed. And sorting through all those emotions is, is a trick. Uh, I, I, that's where people talking to us and helping, listening to us help us through those I always try to remember Mark I mean I, I, I know you know this but you know when I teach ethics a lot of times I, I come across how do we deal with emotions and do the right thing how do we how do we behave how do we proceed in a way that doesn't do harm to anybody including ourselves and uh, often it comes up the, the c- c- relationship between grief and anger and I always um, Try to point out that most, many times, anger is sitting is sitting right on top of the grief, and uh, and I, you know, men uh, sometimes either uh, have a hard time navigating that, but underneath the anger is usually some kind of loss uh, or a fear of loss. Uh, it, it's all uh, all an emotion that needs to be worked with. I know. Mark, I'd love to have you share the love is a river. Uh, that you sure. should, at the reading. I think that that um, is such a beautiful encapsulation of what love can be. Okay. 
Love is a river. It doesn't exist when it's not flowing. When we fall in love, love moves from being a noun to being a verb. We do not possess love as if it were a thing that can be stored on the shelf, taken down, admired. Love exists in sharing. When we stop sharing love, it disappears. When death comes, survivors discover the depth of love and the emptiness of life in its absence. Love is an act of being and becoming. Thanks. Absolutely beautiful. And would you give us your website in case folks, well, when folks want to uh, find out more about the work that you're doing? The easiest is to go to my writer's website, which is marklebano.com. And my last name is spelled L-I-E-B-E-N-O-W. Thanks. And in our next segment, we're going to talk about how you can continue to love yourself and let others love you. And that, again, is part of the grief process and holding grief in one hand and joy in the other. So stay with us. We'll be right back after a few short announcements and commercials, and we'll continue talking about love. And welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm your host, Lori Fitz, and we also have Rick Bernardo hosting our show today. And we're delighted uh, to have Mark Liebenau joining us. And Mark has a tremendous background in all kinds of fabulous work that he's been doing with uh, love and grief and living. Um, His account of hiking in Yosemite to deal with his wife's death, Mountains of Light, was published by the University of Nebraska Press. And he writes a twice-monthly blog on the landscape of grief called Mark Liebenau and then Dash Grief. Welcome, Mark. We're glad you're here today. Hi again, Mark. Thank you. Hi. Yes, and uh, the topic for our show today is looking at holding uh, grief in one hand and joy in the other and and the process of how to do that. And in this segment, we're looking at how to love yourself and let others love you. So tell me about how do we love ourselves, Mark? What, what, what ways can we actively love ourselves? How do we show that we're loving ourselves? Well, in the beginning of grief, one of the things is it's really hard to take care of ourselves, and and I call this loving yourself, where you need to eat nutritiously and not just comfort food or junk food, although they do have their place. Yes. Every once in a while, a good bag of chips (laughs) is a good bag of chips. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, get, Get some exercise every day. Go for a walk. That'll help you feel better physically and go to bed at the same time each night, even if you don't feel sleepy. This will help get your body back into routine. And this is just taking care of yourself so that you survive, essentially. You need to continue. And Mark? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I was going to just jump in. I'm not the expert on depression, but I have had a few periods of life where I was so grieving that I was depressed, and, and, and that meant not quite functioning. And in those periods, you know, I just remember I didn't feel like eating. Yeah. I didn't feel like exercise. I didn't feel like anything. And, um, and I remember 
kind of getting that, but look, if I don't eat and if I don't sleep, then nothing is going to happen eventually. So um, I remember just it was kind of like working out was just to have a, have some food, Rick. You know, it really took some a lot of support just to just to do that, just to underscore. <laughs> and what I hear you right. say is that it, love is willing yourself to discipline because you care enough about yourself that you'll override, um, you know, the depression that that takes away motivation, uh, takes away the joy. Um, it, right, and, and you, you, may you not... won't fe- go ahead. You won't feel like doing anything, but you need to do these things just because. So it's like telling your brain to like, okay, you're in charge right now. <laughs> and and we need to do this and i know emotions and heart you're not in it but you know uh uh, this is this is the time to um open your heart to taking care of yourself and it really is a time also listening to your body because your body will tell you what you need and and while your mind is still lounging on the couch not wanting to do anything (laughs) your body will say hey it's time to eat yeah Except there, at times, Mark, you know, I wasn't hungry, you know. Yeah. I mean, there yeah. are times when we're not hungry. So, I mean, and I think it's so key to do it. I like what you're saying, to tune into your body. It's probably that I was hungry, but I just couldn't even tell or something. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's a it's weird a, thing that is, happens. I think there's an ignoring because we don't care enough about ourselves. So we ignore those signs. So how, how do we pay attention? How do we take that pause? And how do we, you know, be mindful in the moment of what we need? Because yeah, yeah. I think we can go into a different dimension that we're not mindful. Um, we're, we're not engaged. And we're slipping into a place that, you know, grief can take us. Um, so tell me more. How, how did you do that? How, how did you discipline yourself to work through that? Uh, uh, part of it was just just getting a regular routine and just sticking to it. You sit down at, the, say, 6 o'clock for dinner every night and eat something. Uh, go to bed every night at 10 o'clock or what, even if I didn't feel like it. And just set up a, a regimen and, and stick to it. Uh, what also helped with the eating part was I had some friends who brought over a gallon of chicken soup. Whoa. And... Well, their excuse was they just happened to make too much, sure. but I didn't quite believe that. <laughs> but so I would I would eat some of that every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, just and it it lasted actually quite a long time, and then I finally began to cook for myself again. But it it's other people stepping in and reminding us, uh, and and coming over, talking with us over coffee, listening to us. Uh, asking questions. One of the neat things about uh, people list, asking us questions is for about something that they don't understand about grief, and in my case, a lot of people did not understand grief at all, is that it forced us to, or forced me to look more deeply into what I was saying and figure out why I was saying it and help me understand what my grief was doing through their questions. And, and I guess that what else I hear in there is that the isolate they help bring you out of isolation. And, oh, very much so. And the community connection, and they're reaching out to connect, knowing that you were processing being isolated and feeling abandoned, um, allowed the richness 
uh, of celebration of of being with others. Right, and it was, it was amazing to me is that their compassion in doing this because they came knowing uh, that they would not know what to say and that they would not know how to help me grieve, but they knew that people should not be left alone when they're mm-hmm. grieving. And mm-hmm. some of my wife's friends showed up, oh. people mm-hmm. I barely knew, and they would, just because they knew that they, well, they're stepping in for Evelyn help when Evelyn could not help me, uh-huh. so they came in in her stead. Would you take a moment and share the I have seen enough? Um, I think that's a very powerful um, writing that you that you have uh, shared with the world. If you could share it with our audience, that would be wonderful. Okay. I have seen enough death with its dry, rugged canyons to be wary of life and the constant worry about when the next shoe will drop. The deaths of a wife, parents, friends, and beloved pets have made me wary of letting myself love anyone this deeply again. I have felt enough grief to know that almost everyone is mourning some loss. Almost everyone is struggling to make sense of a death that has taken a loved one away. Almost everyone is worn out by the constant waves of sorrow and despair, and we want the dying to end. Yet I have gathered with others in the community of grief and experienced enough hope because we are picking ourselves off the floor and proclaiming that death isn't going to be the last word or have the last dance. And because we are fighting for each other, this will never end. And to learn more about Mark Liebenau's work, you can go to his website. Will you share that with us, Mark? Yes, it's marklebenow.com, and my last name is spelled L-I-E-B-E-N-O-W. And thank you for joining us on Connections Radio Show here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. We'll be right back, and in our next segment, we'll be talking about how to how grief can dare us to love again. It'll be a great segment. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz. I'm your host, and I'm joined in hosting the show by Rick Bernardo, who has invited Mark Liebenau to be part of the show. Uh, I know that you wanted to share a little bit about laughter and grief and your relationship with Mark. Yeah, I was just saying at the top of the... Our broadcast here that I know Mark through very uh, fun and hysterical circumstances a lot of the times on Holy Hill in Berkeley at graduate school. Uh, and uh, But just an example of Mark's commitment to not only continue and uh, contribute to others through exploring grief in the wake of a huge loss, any kind of loss, um, but he's also committed to staying full, to staying fully alive. And his recent uh, widowersgrief.blogspot.com uh, essay—it's from uh, from some years ago—but he republished this on widowersgrief.blogspot.com. It's on laughter and grief, and it's just a wonderful writing covering all of the gamut of uh, 
bookended by life uh, through laughter and grief. And it's a wonderful essay subtitled The Troglodytes of Whimsy and Mercy. So, Mark, thanks for being with us again here. You're welcome. It's great to have you. And in this segment, we'll be talking about how grief dares us to love again. Uh, and for the audience that just may have joined us, um, Mark's account of hiking in Yosemite um, to deal with his wife's death, Mountains of Light, was published by the University of Nebraska Press. And he writes a twice-monthly blog on the landscape of grief. And it's called uh, Mark Libano-Grief. Um, so... You know what I'd love to have you do right off the bat for us, Mark? Uh, I mm -hmm. know you have uh, a piece called Dating Again. Would you share that to kind of kick off our our segment on how grief dares us to love again? Sure. Losing a spouse is so traumatic and heartbreaking that we're tempted to close the doors on ever getting this close to anyone again. What we want is for our spouses to not be dead and have our own lives back, but this is not going to happen. Losing Evelyn devastated me. In the first year, I had no interest in debating. In the second year, while I was open to the possibility, I had no energy to do so. It wasn't until the third year that I felt ready for a new relationship. Even then, I felt guilty, like I was betraying Evelyn. We don't forget the people who swept up our hearts and made life special. Yet life is bigger than one person's death and another person's grief. No matter what age you are, when life shows up on your doorstep, invite it in. I love that segment because it affirms how important love is and how love can change. Um, so so tell me about, I, I love how it, this is about daring us to love again. Tell me about the dare part of uh, loving again. Well, actually, that, that phrase is a quote by Terry Tempest Williams. And I think it really comes down to this, is once your, your life returns to some kind of, of a regular pattern in that you're going to work and paying your bills and getting through each day, okay, you begin to wonder what comes next if the zest and passion for life will return. If, if your spouse or partner died, are you going to start a new relationship? If you're in your 40s like I was, then you realize you probably have another 40 years to live, and do you want to live them alone? If you're in your 70s and a spouse dies, you may uh, conclude that you've had your one great love, and you're content to find someone to go to social events with you. If, if your child is the one who's died, will you try to get pregnant again? And as we talked before, if a beloved pet dies, will you get another knowing that they will probably die before you and you will grieve again? So it's, it's a, a kind of a balancing act. Mm -hmm. How much grief can you take and how much love do you have to give? Is In terms of the, uh, the charts I've seen for the impact of stress, Losing a loved one is at the very top. Wow, wow. Is part of the, um, the working through of losing someone also working through our own mortality? And, and, and you said, well, I have this many years left. There's a recognition of time in a different way um, when we've had that loss that invests in what does love mean to me now? So, Oh, 
Yeah, definitely. If if your loved one died suddenly or unexpectedly or young, uh, then you you realize how delicate life is and how quickly it can end from you know something as simple as slipping on a rug and hitting your head, yeah. or car accidents, or yeah, uh, all sorts of things. That life is very vulnerable. The line between life and death is not as solid as we would like to think. I kind of discovered this when I was hiking in Yosemite and I was standing on the edge of a cliff in winter and realizing that if I slipped, I would be dead. Wow. Just like that. And uh, then your mortality there creates that, I need, I need to make some shifts and I need... <laughs> Don't shift your yeah. weight too much on yeah. the cliff. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, and you need to pay attention to what's going on. And if you're with someone you love, then love them as much as you can because you never know how long you will be together and one of you could die and mark without warning oh thank you mark and i always you know uh, especially with that word dating you know the older we get the harder it is sometimes to define well was that a date or not you know and and what is dating and sometimes it could be years before we now no that wasn't a date uh but uh, i like the word possibility in the sense of defining dating like mm-hmm. if it's a possibility of romance, then maybe it was a date. Uh, it doesn't have to come to fruition, but that just brings me to the word possibility. With possibilities of creating and living and waking up in the morning and, and getting on with anything, there's risk. There's so much risk that we're not present to. Sometimes we are present to it and it stops us. Uh, so that, that razor's edge that you're describing between, between you know, our, our creative energies our ability to just sort of, you know, pull it out of our, you know, what, uh, and 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 uh, and knowing that it's a risk, uh, it's such a, so poignant. What it also strikes me is, uh, in my work in the theater, we always talked about creativity within boundaries. That good art occurs, good possibility occurs when we put the boundaries so that 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 can be stretched within those boundaries. It's almost accepting in life that we have boundaries. So how do I be creative within those boundaries of knowing beginning, middle, and end and and accepting a life like you accept a play, that how can I be creative within these boundaries? Yeah, well, you start off by taking one step and seeing how you feel about that step, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's dating or a new venture. And then you take another step, and if you don't like it, then you back off. I began dating with the idea of I can always use new friends. Yeah. And and if if it worked out, uh, and it was, if it went further than that, great. If it we just stayed friends, that was great, too. Yeah. Well, I'd like um, for us to be able to... Um, Get ready for the next segment (laughs) and be able to talk about trusting life again, because it sounds like when you were on that edge and when you were going through um, the the hike in Yosemite, you were able to trust yourself not to slid down that mountain. (laughs) You had that moment (laughs) of like, I do want to live. I do want to trust that life can bring me joy. Um, and, and I think that's important to think about. And I know we have a wonderful segment, a wonderful piece of writing that you'll be sharing with us in the next segment. 
So please stay with us. Uh, and to learn more about Mark uh, and his work, Mark, would you share your website? Yes, the website is marklibano.com. And my last name is spelled L-I-E-B-E-N-O-W. And we'll be right back. And our next segment will be Trusting Life Again. And uh, another good segment on what it means to love. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we have been talking about love and learning how to live holding grief in one hand and joy in the other. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and I am joined in hosting Connections Radio Show today by Rick Bernardo, who has invited uh, Mark Libano to share with us about the journey of finding, um, finding love for ourselves and for others. And I know you had something okay. that you wanted to share. Yeah, and Mark, so uh, do you remember David Steinberg? The sure. Um, and he's a comedian. He's written a wonderful book on uh, his work with all kinds of comedians over the years that I haven't bought yet, but I need to. But I remember he used to do a, a, bit, <laughs> a bit about Moses and <clears throat> Moses saying to, to the burning bush, who do I say sent me, you know, to, to save the – Israelites from from Egypt and who do I say is talking to me here and and the bush says I am that I am and David Steinberger said thanks for clearing that up <laughs> and and the, the the heart of that aside from Quincy Jones wonderful little quote that uh Laughter is the soul's way of shouting, ain't it the truth? And there's something in, yeah, aside from that being funny for that reason, we were talking about, you were, you were talking about the taking one step at a time and the back and forth of like, it may be this or it may be that, we have to see. And life and love is full of possibility and that's the richness of it. But, and, and then there's also the risk in there. So I was just thinking of that, Moses, thank you for clearing that up. <laughs> it's 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 hard to carry on. Yeah, it, it, I think it's being in conversation about it. No matter where we are on the journey, we we may have processed grief and can do an amen to some of the things that you're saying. Like, yes, I've been there. We may be in that in that journey right now where we are trying to make sense of the world, of ourselves and others, yeah. and loss. Um, but we all, you know, are have have journeyed through. Um, Say letting go, and and it's hard, and I think that's why your community that you've developed that allow people to share their thoughts and to blog with you uh, about their journey is something that that is relevant for everyone. Uh, for those who just joined us, um, Mark had um, his account of hiking in the Yosemite to deal with the wife uh, with his wife's death. Uh, he wrote uh, Mountains of Light, and it was published by the University of Nebraska Press. He writes a twice-monthly blog on the landscape of grief, and it's called Mark Libano Grief. So thank you for joining us today, and, and I promised the audience that we were going to be talking about trusting and trusting life again. And I also uh, previewed that you had a great uh, segment, that you wrote uh, a, a, a piece called for unsettled times and I'd love to have you start off our show our, our segment of the show um, on unsettled times sure may we be grateful for what we have and mindful of the widowed 
the sick, the battered, the abandoned. May we realize when we have enough and share the rest. May we take risks and love without expecting anything in return. May we respond to others with compassion instead of judgment. May we sit with those who are hurting or lonely and be present. May we be creative, brave, and caring. May we dance when the day's work is done. And may our lives exceed our expectations, but not our love. That's so wonderfully written. And what it reminds me of after our conversation where you shared about how your friends came to you and shared a gallon of soup uh, to make sure that you were eating and to make sure that you felt you were in community. It, it feels like you took that away and made that part of what you want to do for others as well. Oh, very much so. Uh, I think we receive wisdom and guidance from people who have shown compassion towards us, and we feel that want to share that compassion with others when we see them suffering. And have you felt that in terms of your your blog in in having both uh, an empathy in that you you've gone through it as well, but continuing to find uh, hope in the journey in in connecting with those that are going through the grief process? Oh, very much so. Because people will write to me, uh, either wanting me to address a different topic that I haven't written about yet, or thanking me for something I have written or giving me a follow-up on how they're doing now after uh, reading something I wrote uh, a number of years ago. So it's a very much of an interactive medium. And so I know it's reaching people. There's been, I'm thinking, maybe uh, about half a million hits on my uh, grief blog. So I know people are watching and listening. I'm curious about that word trust in this. Does that continue to build your trust as you are in connection with people going through grief uh, of the importance of working through this process? Tell me more about trust, why that's important. Well, uh, let me give you an example. I was on a, a grief retreat with 25 other people who were off, also grieving, and that was a rather intense uh, experience. And it wasn't long before humor started to surface, and we were crying and laughing, and we talked about our grief with each other and all the silly things we would do to cope on hard days when grief threatened to pull us down. But So it was a love fest with a lot of crying uh-huh. as we supported each other, and we trusted each other with our grief stories. Uh, when you're with a group of people who know grief, there's just the implicit trust that we understand each other, we're not going to hurt each other, and we're going to help each other if we can. And the things we learn that help us often will help someone else. You wrote that life is still good and waiting for us to return. Tell me more about that. The things that we loved about life before our person died uh, the passions we had, the zest for life that we felt, all of that still exists. And it's getting back to that uh, that we need to do because it, it's still there. Life is still good. 
the first time I went back to Yosemite after Evelyn died, I did not feel any of the wonder and awe that I always felt every time I went to Yosemite. Yeah. And it took a while for that, that to come back. But then it came back, and then I could be in Yosemite, and all the memories of being there with Evelyn were good, and I could remember her and honor her, but I could also celebrate nature again. Wow, what a journey. Jeez. I, I also um, I love the idea of life almost being a persona. There's like life waiting for us. I imagine that there is a... Um, some it, someone it, it's our, it's our own self you know we we waiting for us to return and being mm-hmm. able to have the strength to have joy in one hand and grief in the other and be able to move forward with both yeah it was like that in yosemite because there was the person who loved to hike mm-hmm. which which i lost for time and then then i met that person again and it was on you on the trail <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> And wow. isn't that and, great and was, to to rediscover you? You know to, that that there is that that we lose ourselves, and and the search to find ourselves or remember who we are is hard. But once we do, it's like the aha moment, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the person who died is a part of our life. Yeah. But it's not our entire life. I mean, we were before we met the person we fell in love with. We still exist, and the things we love still exist. Uh, it's just sometimes difficult to get back to that and remember. And you mentioned in the last segment about compassion, or you earlier mentioned about compassion. That's part of that life force, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it, it's focusing not so much on what you need every, every moment of every day, but paying attention to the people around you and seeing what, what they need to get through the day to see seeing where they are hurting and responding to that. And sometimes, you know, it just takes a smile or a nice word to really make a difference in their life. It's just making them part of your life, too, and paying attention. And, Mark, you know, you and I met, you know, uh, in, again, in seminary, and, you know, uh, uh, one of the things that comes to mind is the book you wrote uh, after your master's thesis on the theology of clowning, is titled, Is There Fun After Paul? And, and, and that runs such a gamut to where you are now, and I just see you continuing to be compassionate with yourself and others and contribute, and, and it, it keeps inspiring me. So thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. And it was nice to actually quote you in that book because you had a wonderful meditation on on laughter. It's called a serious meditation on laughter. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That that was fun. Anyway. And with that, it's uh, if there is something that you'd like to share with our audience for them to think about what they can do to show self love, what they can do to um, remember who they are, especially if you're going through a grieving process, what would you recommend? Well, first of all, pay attention to your grief. It, it will last longer than you expect and bring a whole bunch of emotions. And do not hide from any of them. Uh, gather with friends and family who also knew their loved person and share your stories because they will know some things that you don't. Uh, Find relief in the rituals and prayers of your religion, whatever they are. People walk the path of grief before you, 
and they bear witness to the fact that people can patch their lives back together and find happiness again. And with that, and last, and with that, and lastly, I'm going to have to say goodbye. Yeah. We're just coming okay. down to the last 10 seconds. But thank you so much for sharing today. And we really appreciate how you help guide folks and guide us in the process of holding love in one hand and grief in the other. Thank you. And we look forward to having Connections Radio Show come back uh, next week with another great opportunity to connect.